0: Welcome to Healthy Vision Talk Radio, the podcast for people in search of a physician with alternative solutions for their eye problems. From the best-selling, award-winning, world's only homeopathic ophthalmologist, here's your host, Dr. Edward Condrott.
1: Welcome to Healthy Vision. This is your host, Dr. Edward Condrott, and thank you so much for tuning in this evening. We have a special guest joining us on the show, Dr. Ben Gonzalez, who is an author an authority, a teacher on the subject of hormone replacement therapy. And I think this is an extremely important topic for all of you listeners out there who have vision problems. There is a strong correlation with the body's hormones and vision loss. And I think one way of restoring lost vision is to get those hormones in check. So I'm hoping that Dr. Ben Gonzalez can educate us on, on this topic. Dr. Gonzalez, thank you so much for joining us on Healthy Vision.
0: Well, thank you very much, Dr. Connor for allowing me on. I appreciate it.
1: Well, uh, just to let the listeners know that Dr. Gonzalez is taking care of myself and my wife over the years. Um, I'm 67 now, and, you know, the testosterone, the thyroid's getting low, and I want to thank you for so kind of tuning my body to help me maintain my energy level to do everything that I have a passion for. Um uh, so, I wanted to ask you how how did you get interested in this particular aspect of medicine, the hormone replacement therapy?
0: Well, um, honestly, it came it was born out of the fact that um, our issues our metabolic issues that we have, whether it be from the perspective of trauma, emergency medicine or um, primary care, um, all is born out of a systems biology approach to um to a patient's care. Um we tend to focus in the system in the current healthcare system we tend to focus on one thing in a linear thought process where if somebody has we wait for somebody to have a disease then we take care of that particular disease or that particular system and then we walk away from it thinking we did good when we um in fact as physicians we we're missing the point that there is a systems biology approach in other words just a holistic approach to taking care of different uh, disease processes let alone um, taking care of um, preventing those processes from occurring in the first place. So, my interest came out of the fact that realizing that, um, in order to, uh, the, the number one cure for any disease is the, preven- the prevention of that disease in the first place. And hormones play a powerful role in our overall health and aging process. So, that's where that came from. And then, of course, for the subject that you have here for eye health. Um, It's never more true.
1: Well, it's interesting because there's a strong shift right now in medicine, as you described, in terms of attacking the disease with uh, drugs and surgery, is looking at the underlying cause. And uh, a big contributing factor is the decline in the hormonal function. And, of course, I always look at it this way, that a contributing factor, the decline is due to poor nutrition, toxic metals, stress, etc. But I guess as a functional medicine doctor, you're looking at it from a more scientific perspective, uh, you know, measuring your hormone levels, looking at um, different other functions of the body and really trying to fine-tune the body by... Uh,
0: oh, absolutely, absolutely.
1: So uh, let's talk a little bit about your approach and how you approach disease and how you approach a patient in general. And then maybe we can talk more specifically about some of the more common eye problems.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, Usually whether a patient comes to me for um, a particular complaint or whether they're coming to me for um, general health approach or general health assessment, um, it's pretty much the same. My approach is the same. I take a look at the individual from a, like I said, from a systems biology approach or from a, um, an, um, a holistic approach, um, making sure that we're not missing anything um, instead of focusing on that single um, system or that single complaint. So my approach is first to ensure that we are not forgetting um, all those other things that are included in, in the physiology. So how somebody's nutrition um, is affecting their body, how their micronutrients um, levels are um, affecting their body along with the usual standard medical uh, physician labs that we get. Um, we also have to get some of the things that we, that we don't usually think of. Um, and I'm not talking about just micronutrient levels, but I'm talking about the hormones and cells. Um, hormones begin to decline in the, in the 20s. Some of the hormones start beginning to decline in the early 20s. And if there's some sort of underlying disease process that hasn't been identified, um, then it can decline even faster. And if the nutrition is poor, then it declines even more. So taking a look at all that at first, um, taking a look at everything before you jump onto the initial problem um, or the initial complaint is, is how I um, begin my approach. So then we focus down onto that initial complaint um, as needed. Um, again, if somebody's seeing me for a, a general health assessment, then we go all out assessing head-to-toe, um, including um, outside to inside, the gut health, the hormone health, the micronutrient health, um, the health of all the, um, um, uh, the different um, endocrine systems that can affect things that we don't really think about. Um, so that's my general approach. And then of course, when it comes to, um, I don't know, if did you want me to get into uh, yeah, I health like to,
1: itself? I'd like to first ask what, what you feel, Yeah. let's kind of break each, some of these topics apart. What do you think are sure. some of the common nutritional deficiencies uh, or well, poor, poor dietary yeah. habits that are contributing to hormonal imbalances?
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, first, probably um, there are a couple of deficiencies that are very common throughout the entire population, which is well studied, and well known in the literature. One of them is um, magnesium, for example. Um, magnesium deficiency is very common. Maybe 5% of the population is deficient in one or another of magnesium. Unfortunately, we don't think of magnesium um, in the the, um, total sense of affecting the body. Um, uh, For example, osteoporosis. Um, We usually think of things like calcium for osteoporosis, or we think of vitamin D for osteoporosis, when in fact magnesium plays a very powerful role in the prevention of osteoporosis. And if that's not replaced, someone could be taking um, enough vitamin D or... Um, calcium, they can be taking plenty of vitamin D or calcium, but they're not getting the positive effects of that replacement if their magnesium, first of all, is not measured, and second of all, if it's not replaced properly. Another um, common thing that I see is vitamin D. That's another uh, common deficiency. And unfortunately, that was a little more mixed and confusing in the literature um, because it's more than just, first of all, most of my patients who come to me Um, on vitamin D, if they're taking it on their own, or they think they have a vitamin D deficient, the first thing to educate them is that, well, vitamin D is actually not a vitamin. And that's um, it's a hormone. It's a powerful hormone. And if a patient's taking their vitamin D, or they tell me that um, they heard from some TV show that vitamin D is an issue, or they heard uh, a quick blurb from someone like me who says, you know, vitamin D is a common deficiency. And they start taking vitamin D without getting measured. They're not understanding that vitamin D is a powerful hormone that affects more than just bone issues, but affects your immune system. It affects even diabetes—the way glucose and insulin um, comes in and out of every single cell in the body. So, and it's more than just about the micronutrient. It's also about the receptors and the up up um, uh, upregulation, down-regulation, different receptors in the body. And a lot of patients uh, don't know this. A lot of physicians don't appreciate this. So um, understanding those, first of all, the underlying metabolic issues that can be affected by these different micronutrients that can affect um, um, different parts of the body, zinc for for thyroid, zinc for um, testosterone production, for example, um, you know, all these different things so go on and on. This whole hour of lecture on just each and every one of these micronutrients, right? So the idea is to get, um, is to take a look at um, the overall micronutrient antioxidant status of an individual and then focusing on um, what can be replaced initially to improve their overall health. You know, one I, I really, I, I really,
1: I, uh, I really kind of like that approach. That you really have to look at the nutritional state, the micronutrients, because you really, really you have, do. If you have a deficient diet, a poor diet, you're lacking essential minerals, like you mentioned, zinc, iodine, magnesium. You know, it doesn't matter what you do or what hormones you take. Your body still is not going to function.
0: It's so. just not going to affect, right? And one of the other common things is people will take, they'll be taking micronutrients for the sake of taking them. So what I mean by that is that they hear that, oh, zinc is good for that, and magnesium is good for this, and certain antioxidants are good for that. And by the time you take all these different nutrients and micronutrients for what they're good for, you've got a grocery bag full of micronutrients that you're taking and not understanding how to coordinate that um um, and, and how to actually see what you actually need. Just because something is good for you, doesn't mean you need it. Yeah, either. So in other words, so uh, patients,
1: patients need the, kind of like the conductor of the orchestra to make sure that everything is, is flowing. Yeah uh, we're analysis. coming up to, yep. we're coming up to a break right now in healthy vision. With me is Dr. Ben Gonzalez. And we come back. we're going to be focusing in on eye diseases and the importance of hormones in reversing vision loss. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Healthy Vision. With me is Dr. Ben Gonzalez, and we're talking about hormones, hormone replacement therapy, and do you need supplemental hormones to help you reverse your vision problems? So let's focus next, uh, Dr. Gonzalez, on a big issue that I see, probably one of the most common uh, ocular diseases, and that's macular degeneration. And it's developing... More and more commonly, just about everybody I see over the age of 60 has early macular degeneration. So how can hormone replacement therapy help
0: these folks? No, absolutely. Um, well, first, um, and you know the statistics better than I do. Um, Dr. Conrad, is the eye expert. Um, uh, the two-thirds of blindness and visual impairment um, thirds of these individuals uh, occurs in women, three-quarters of the blindness and visual impairment is preventable, and that, that's that's a, a kind of a sad, sad statistic, and um, what we don't know, a lot of people don't know, is that um, things like menopause and hormones, and menopause can significantly affect eyesight in women, of course, and in men as the age, these hormones um, can significantly affect eyesight, and it's not just in single hormone. That's kind of, again, what we've talked about earlier um, about focusing on one thing. It's multiple different things. And with with macular degeneration, especially age-related macular degeneration, I mean, that's a, um, just to review, it's a chronic eye disease that um, causes vision loss in the center of the field of vision. And so, I mean, this is the vision that you use to draw, to read, to recognize faces, and uh, perform daily tasks, right? Well, women are 66%... More affected by uh, age-related macular degeneration in men, and like you said, the disease is occurring more and more. And um, it's not just because of one hormone. This disease, um, uh, when we and there's great studies that show that there are one of the most underappreciated hormones for women in macular degeneration is um, testosterone, is the androgens, um, and research has found. Um, um, androgens is that drop in women um, can contribute to dry eyes and to age-related macular degeneration. You know what? Also, it's just uh, you um, don't you
1: just don't think of uh, testosterone for women.
0: No, you um, really I mean, you, don't. You think of and, it for um, men,
1: but my goodness, that's that's be one of the last
0: things that I would think of. Exactly, and um, so women who take um, a, um, hormone replacement therapy are less likely to develop. Um, macular degeneration. In particular, there was a study um, out of the American Journal of Ophthalmology, um, let me see, it was 2002, 2003, around that time, where they showed that women, um, they, they looked at women um, taking hormone replacement therapy versus women who didn't, and they noted that more than 50% were less likely, women who were on hormone replacement therapy were less likely to develop the common uh, you know, macular degeneration, that site robbing condition. And, and in older women that had never used hormone replacement therapy, had a much um, higher risk in developing the age generated macular degeneration. Unfortunately, um, a lot of these studies don't discern what type of hormone replacement to do or not to do. Um, for example, whether it's synthetic versus bioidentical, and that's a whole other discussion. But in, and in this particular study, in multiple different studies, that's not discerned. So that's one of the confusing. Um, the confusers and all this. But we do know that if you replace, um, the earlier you identify there's an issue with hormones, the earlier you replace um, these hormones, in particular estrogen, testosterone, the more likely you'll um, uh, prevent age degenerate macular degeneration.
1: Well, let's take a, like a 70-year-old man who has macular degeneration. And he has low testosterone, low thyroid, and, um, you know, poor, poor nutritional status. Yes, um,
0: yeah.
1: In your opinion, do you think if he would clean up his diet, get his thyroid functioning to an optimum level, get the testosterone up to a good functioning range, would that help reverse the macular degeneration?
0: Oh, this is a beautiful part about some of this. Um, is that, and of course, it depends on the extent of the macular degeneration and the type. And um, but, um, but the answer is definitely yes. Um, um, Antioxidants play a powerful role in macular degeneration. Um, and usually, when I see an older gentleman with um, with those types of issues and um, Usually, there's the what, and you just mentioned the trifecta of low hormones, low um, poor nutrition, and um, and poor um, poor diet. I'm sorry, poor micronutrient status and poor diet. Um, that if we replace, if we get aggressive with um, antioxidant therapy, and we start appropriately with hormone replacement therapy with bioidentical hormones, starting slowly, bringing it up, we do see reversal in. Um, and these types of disease processes, including macular degeneration.
1: Yeah, because I'm always looking for some additional treatment or some additional edge to help my patients. And, you know, so many of my patients do well uh, because I really work on helping them clean up their diet, checking, getting rid of heavy metals, uh, putting the right minerals in their system and then yep. using microcurrent and oxidative treatments. But I, I really feel that, that those individuals who want to make a significant improvement is to then look at hormone replacement therapy.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
1: So these individuals, um, how how do they begin? Um, that that's well, a that seventy-year-old man or woman that you know has macular degeneration. Uh, where where do you
0: begin? Well, I begin with the nutrition. I begin with. Um, Um, being aggressive with the nutrition because I can be aggressive with the nutrition. What I mean by that is not, of course, um, dramatically changing their diet. Um, uh, Individuals aren't going to make those type of changes in one day unless they're scared about something, unless they develop a cancer. Or if they are scared about their eyesight, um, I I try not to use the fear factor when I treat my patients or talk to my patients about therapy. Um, Instead, I try to... um, and we talk about more common sense things that makes that that allow for long term um, improvements and long term and, and things that are sustainable. So what I start with is high antioxidants. So I begin a, a patient on a kind of like a, a Mediterranean or a vegeta- um you know, a vegetarian type of um, uh, diet, um, something that makes sense. And if they're if the amount of food is an issue at that age, some some Men aren't, just don't want to eat a whole bunch of food, so we start with supplementation. Um high quality antioxidant supplementation. I'm pretty aggressive with the things like um omegas, DHA, EPA, um, and um and high dose carotenoid um supplementation. Um and of course we're talking about things that are easier on the stomach, that don't cause stomach issues, and that are easily absorbable and what's called bio. Um, bioavailable. In other words, something that someone can take that's absorbed easily in the gut and able to get to the end organ to cause a positive effect. And that's kind of the hardest thing to to deal with with um, with older patients especially. So what we do is we manage the gut health. Sometimes it takes probiotics, specific kinds of um, high quality probiotics to get the gut in a good place so that they absorb the nutrients that they're eating and that they're taking. So I start there. And then we evaluate their hormones. We evaluate um, testosterone, estrogen, DHA, all the different thyroids, all the different hormones that uh, vitamin D that um, are involved in the overall health. And then we manage each of those depending on on um, on where that individual is. Usually with um, testosterone replacement, starting slowly and building up. Estrogen replacement for men or women. um, It's rare that men need estrogen as they get older, their estrogen levels actually go higher in men as opposed to women it goes lower and estrogen helps protect the heart, helps protect the eyes and helps protect um, the brain. And, um, and so we monitor those levels as well. So I start with nutrition. I start with measuring uh, micronutrients and hormones and replace them as needed. And, um, and then um, follow the patient as they improve. And then of course, sending them to the experts like you that um, you know, for their eye um, to continue following the evaluation and the therapies that needed from the ophthalmologist's point of view.
1: Yeah, and I guess uh, you did emphasize that the follow-up care, so many people begin hormone replacement therapy, and maybe they're taking too much or not enough. So I guess the real art of hormonal replacement therapy is monitoring their levels and making the appropriate corrections to make sure that they're at an optimal uh, level. So it's not just like yeah, new absolutely. prescription and goodbye and good luck. So you really have to be monitored. Uh,
0: th- that's exactly right. I emphasize that with my patients right up front in the very beginning before I even begin the advice of what I'm going to do to treat or to manage. Um, as I start off with, hey, look, this is a process. We need to come up with a sustain something that's sustainable I do not want to make recommendations that you aren't going to follow. So I work with the patient, and like if a patient tells me they can't swallow pills, and we work on a way for replacing supplementation in a different way.
1: Mm. Well, Um, we're uh, coming up to another break, um, and uh, when we come back, we're going to continue with uh, Dr. Ben Gonzalez educating us on hormone replacement therapy. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Healthy Vision. This is your host, Dr. Edward Condra, and with me is Dr. Ben Gonzalez, and I'd like to focus now on uh, a really difficult disease to treat, treat, and I'm seeing more and more cases of glaucoma, and unfortunately, we just don't have, Western medicine just does not have a good treatment for glaucoma. The, The eye drops don't work. The surgeries don't work. People are losing their vision, and I think the answer really is in looking at these alternative treatments to treat the underlying problem, which is circulation and health of the optic nerve. And I think that's the key point because there are some strong evidence that hypothyroidism is related to glaucoma. So Dr. Gonzalez, let's uh, try to fill in the gaps here. How can hormone replacement therapy
0: help? Well, glaucoma is, as you said, uh, very frustrating. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the best cure for disease is the prevention of that disease in the first place. That's, that's my mantra, and all the lectures that I give on on pretty much on anything. Glaucoma, is, as you stated, is that condition that um, you know that causes damage to your eyes, optic nerve, and gets worse over time. Um, it's not just age related. Um, there's so many different factors with glaucoma. It's often associated with, uh, have, like you said, the buildup of pressure inside the eye. And it's, uh, um, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Kondrath, but it's like the second biggest cause of blindness. Um, and then 59% of all the glaucoma cases are women. Again, we're talking um, about um, hormones as playing a role, and as, um, as women age, it can become an issue as well because there's a decline of the hormones. The risk for glaucoma increases rapidly, after the age of 40, so um, so we, we look at things like thyroid. Um, and um, uh, there are a couple things with hormones. Um, first of all, catching things early. Women with an underactive thyroid condition are treated um, by um, increasing levels of thyroid hormone in their bodies, and if, um, if there's a family history or if there's a higher risk for glaucoma, um, I'm a little more aggressive with treating thyroid, um, um, and um, especially if someone has other symptoms associated with hypothyroid, but the numbers are looking good on their labs. And that's another common mistake that we make as physicians is we go by what um, the lab says is normal rather than what is optimal for that individual. So listening to the patient, understanding that um, estrogen, things like estrogen, and um, thyroid disease can be a contributing factor for glaucoma. Did that make sense? Did that help?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of thyroid function, you know, the thyroid's kind of like the master gland that regulates the metabolism of the body. And one of the, the, the tragic things with uh, glaucoma is a decrease in function of the optic nerve, decrease in circulation, decrease in oxygenation oxygen uptake of the, uh, neuronal cells of the eye and, you know, certainly I'm trying to stimulate that with the microcurrent. Uh, but I, I do believe that, you know, the thyroid hormone may be a missing link that these folks really have to be optimized in terms of their, their thyroid function in order to a patient. Yeah, do their best with the microcurrent and other alternative treatments.
0: Yes, yeah when a patient comes into my clinic and usually we catch this as a um um kind of as a secondary thing, what I mean by that is a patient comes in, let's say they're looking for metabolism improvement or weight loss or hormone replacement therapy from another perspective of menopause symptoms or other issues um and in the history, when we take the history and I find that someone has a history of glaucoma or they they're being treated for glaucoma. Um, I, I bring up the idea to the patient that, Hey, look, let's take a look at some other alternatives here, not alternatives, um, uh, things that augment their current treatments, I should say. Um, and I'll take a closer look at the thyroid or, or testosterone or, or their nutrient, um, uh, nutrition status and, um, that affects the circulation of the body, um, that, um, uh, we give them a, an opportunity. That's an, that's an opportunity for um, adding another treatment that will help improve um, serious conditions like glaucoma. Um, and patients are very appreciative of that, and they bring that to their their to their doctors, and they look at the literature and they realize that yes, um, this can be another helpful arm of treatment for a very serious condition.
1: I wanted to ask you, what is your opinion? On the relationship between iodine deficiency and hypothyroid, do you think that's a major contributing factor?
0: Yeah, in fact, it's one of those. Um, it's one of those uh, confusing issues. There are a lot of patients out there that will that will take iodine because they understand that they hear that it's um, um, an issue with thyroid. And yes, we see um, iodine deficiencies as an issue with hypothyroidism and um, patients with thyroid issues. Um, unfortunately, where the confusion is is the replacement of iodine. There are a lot of patients that, will, a lot of people will go chase after um, a marketing material rather than actual um, the proper way of, of improving um, the iodine status. And they'll start taking extra iodine, which is in general, okay, but every now and then I'll see somebody taking too much and it causes other issues in the thyroid. Um, but iodine is a, um, in my opinion, as you asked um, iodine is um, not as a, pre- a, iodine replacement is not appreciated enough in thyroid disease processes.
1: Yeah, so in other words, it's a mistake for patients to think they can increase their thyroid by taking iodine. Supplements is that Yeah,
0: they exactly. really need true guidance with iodine, especially with iodine treatment. And and one iodine supplement and another iodine supplement that's sitting on the shelf are are can be two very different things and have very different effects um, on an individual's thyroid status, especially especially if the thyroid problem is more of a um, like for things like um, Hashimoto's or someone that's on the brink of hyperthyroidism, sometimes that iodine can push over to um, a condition that overstimulates the thyroid.
1: You know, I'm always looking for simple tests for my patients so they can, you know, evaluate their hormonal function without the expenses of going to a doctor. But ultimately, they all end up needing, you know, a hormone replacement therapy doctor. What's your opinion on measuring the the early morning temperature, getting a, a, a handle on their metabolic uh, level. by you know, Oh, yeah, very good. Do you think that's a, a, so, a good way to assess thyroid function?
0: It can be. Now, here's where, again, I'm glad you're asking me this question because um, that's something that I'll see a lot of patients will do. Um, and it depends um, the age of the individual. So someone that's 22 years old as opposed to someone who's 52 years old um, are, are doing this. So you can get um, very different, you can get, um, uh, you can get uh, a very different results, causing um, different um, that can lead um, these individuals to a different pathway on what to do about it and how to um, and how to um, interpret it. Um, and so it's, it can be useful, but it needs to be consistent and it needs to be done in a manner in which uh, it becomes more useful if that's being followed over a period of time. So one of the mistakes we make in, in tests like that in, and in uh, more complicated tests, um, you know, serum tests for hormones, is that we act on a single number or a single um, event. So it's really important to start with trends. Trends are far more powerful than a single event. Yeah, because usually single, what I uh, do, uh, Dr. Gonzalez,
1: is ask them to measure their early, you know, check their pulse rate in the morning before they get out of bed and also measure their temperature you know, three days in a row, and then look yep, and then can see if it's grossly, you know, below normal temperature, low pulse, then they need to be investigated. Do you think that's a, a decent screening method?
0: Oh, absolutely. And then, um, and again, it must be interpreted in context too, because it depends, it can um, vary significantly uh, depending on someone's, um, for example, a woman in, um, in her menstrual cycle, depending on when in her menstrual cycle, that she's doing that as well. Um, and um, um, But yes, um, it's a very useful screening and can be acted on. But again, I uh, firmly believe that that's a good way to screen um, for further testing rather than screening for treatment. Did mm. that make sense?
1: Yep, it makes sense. Uh, well, okay. we're coming up to a, another break on healthy vision. And when we come back, I want to talk about uh, Dr. Ben Gonzalez is going to be assisting me in working more with my patients because I always want them to see a good integrative doctor to be evaluated for hormone replacement therapy. And most of them can't find a a decent doctor that's well-trained. So when we come back, I'm going to share with you how uh, you can work with uh, myself and Dr. Ben-Gonzalez. So we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Healthy Vision. And uh, I think Dr. Ben-Gonzalez has convinced me and I hope he's convinced you that hormone replacement therapy and regulating of hormones should be a major part of uh, your efforts to help your body become stronger and help your body regain lost vision. So if, if you're looking for Uh, those additional steps to take. And maybe I shouldn't say additional. I think these are really fundamental steps. And maybe you should even take these steps before you begin therapies like microcurrent, oxidative treatments, and light therapies that I uh, uh, teach uh, patients to help regain their vision. So, Dr. Gonzalez, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what um, is the components of your hormone replacement program and what steps, what is the first steps that uh, people need to take?
0: Sure. Well, um, here's the cool part. Not much different than, um, than, than a, you know, your initial annual exam for um, when you see your uh, a new physician or your new primary care doctor for a new visit. Um, um, what I mean by that is uh, uh, an initial intake form, an initial... Um, history and physical, or an initial history, um, can be taken, and then, um, and then of course measuring the tools. You can go through all the therapies for treating a disease process. If the tools aren't in your body to sustain the good that's happening from those treatments, then what's the point of doing the treatments? Um, it might be temporary, but you're looking for long-term um, help. So. We do, we take we we measure the usual um you know the usual complete metabolic panels and the, the, the lipid panels and then in addition to that we measure all the hormones including things that you don't think about so we think of the common hormones like testosterone thyroid um, estrogen progesterone but then the hormones that we don't think about that contribute to um, good eye health and overall health in general um, DHEA um, and then inflammatory marker levels, things like cardiac um, C-reactive protein that gives an idea of how your heart health is, and homocysteine levels that give an idea of how you're metabolizing certain micronutrients and how um, certain inflammatory processes are going on in your body. So the bottom line is measurement, 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 uh, assessment, history, measurement, and then taking those measurements and um, and tying them together with a good metabolic assess, subjective metabolic assessment, um, there are different how we do this at George Washington University at the integrated school of medicine. There, um, we have a very powerful um, patient platform that's called the metabolic code that we have all the patients um, fill out. It's a ten minute um, survey. You tie that with the labs, put it together, and prioritize. A systems biology approach for improved health, and in this context, for improved eye health, um, and overall health in general. Uh, and so that's, that's how the process works. You get the assessment, you get the um, uh, labs, and then make an appointment for um, the interaction between um, to educate the individual or the patient on what's, Assessment and what hormones, what the hormones are, and with an integrated treatment plan to move forward um, for improved health.
1: So, a common question that I get from patients: uh, How long will it take before I get to notice a difference? Because you know, typically, uh, patients yeah, are being—they're yeah. tough; they're tough consumers. They want to know that there is a benefit to these treatments. So, yeah. maybe you could, you yeah, could address
0: absolutely. that. Absolutely, and this is uh, a common thing. That yeah, absolutely, a common question, um, right along with how much weight am I going to lose, or when am I going to get better? Those are all kind of similar similar questions, right? So this is the context: How long did it take for your hormones to decline over a period of time? So it depends on the age, right? So if someone is, uh, if it's a, let's say it's a woman, a perimenopausal woman, or a man. Um, beyond 50, 60 years of age, um, it took a little time for those hormones to decline. So there's no single pill or treatment or answer or cream or vitamin that's going to immediately flip um, the switch from all that decline over time, especially something as complex as the endocrine system. Um, And so it takes time. And what I tell patients, no, we're not going to take years to improve, but um, sometimes it'll take... Um, two, three, four months before you start feeling um, improvements. And it depends on where that individual is. Um, some, some of my patients immediately, they feel an immediate effect, positive effect. And these are things like, for example, for someone who's got thyroid issues or um, seriously low testosterone issues or estrogen issues or uh, menopause symptoms that are keeping them from sleeping or keeping or hot flashes that happen throughout the day, sometimes those effects are immediate. They feel the positive effects immediately. But things like long-term issues, like gut issues, or weight, or things like that, sometimes takes a little time for the body to catch up. Did that make sense?
1: Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to, uh, to mention is memory. You know, one of the biggest yeah. concerns. I think, I think it's a, a larger fear than losing vision, is losing memory as we get older. Um, now yep. what, were, what were we talking about, Doctor Gonzalez? I, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> losing, yeah, losing losing memory. Wait, <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. hormones <laughs> hormone replacement therapy can definitely help with the cognitive function, the memory.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up because um, it's this is the word prevention is more powerful when it in under that subject itself and memory. Once memory decline sets in because of either, either a degenerative process in the brain or an Alzheimer's type of memory loss, it, that's irreversible. That is irreversible. So you want to catch these things early. Um, now, the usual, you know, um, hey, I forgot this, I forgot that type of um, um, age-related memory loss, um, that temporary, I forgot this, I forgot that type of um, syndrome, that can be reversed pretty easily. However, um, the other, the Alzheimer's type, the dementia type of symptoms um, are not e- reversible. So I say that because hormones play a powerful role, a very powerful role, a key role um, in, in nutrition as well, but a key role in a cognitive decline. So what I tell patients to do is to, as early as possible, get your hormones evaluated. And there's a single hormone that plays a, a good role, well-studied, um, estrogen. A lot of people don't think, just like testosterone for women, a lot of people don't think about estrogen for men. Um, estrogen is very important in men in keeping a cognitive, um, uh, keeping a high cognitive level, um, keeping their memory intact. So, um, so if it's an Early, if it's a non-Alzheimer's type of issue, then you can see reversibility. If if, if Alzheimer's has began to set in, you don't want it to progress. You want to stop it in its tracks, so hormone replacement can play a role in that.
1: Now, we have a couple of minutes before we close, and this is a very important question. People have concerns. They have read that hormone replacement therapy can increase your risk of cancer. So good point. we We need to address this.
0: Yeah. Um, so what, first of all, in fact, um, I, I, I did a disservice. I should have, um, in the very, very beginning defined hormone replacement therapy. So hormone replacement therapy is a general term, a very broad and general term that can mean anything from estrogen, progesterone to insulin for a diabetic. That's hormone replacement therapy, vitamin D replacement for low vitamin D. That's hormone replacement therapy. Um, so hormone replacement therapy can be very general. Um, when the news came out after the Women's Health Initiative um, study came out and saying that uh, the big headlines hormone replacement therapy causes cancer, that did um, a, a serious disservice to um, women, especially, but to women and men in general, because it was hormone replacement therapy wasn't defined. What was it that actually caused the cancer? Well, it turns out it was mostly the synthetic form of certain types of hormones. For example, progesterone, progestin um, is a synthetic form, but that definitely increases um, breast cancer risk. So it turns out when hormone replacement therapy is done correctly, it can actually prevent cancers. Let me say that again. When hormone replacement therapy is done correctly, from the perspective of literature-based, science-based, um, replacement um, uh, can prevent cancer and that's powerfully important and I'm talking about estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, DHEA, vitamin D, all these things can prevent cancer. So that's an important thing. Oh, we're coming, thing to, uh, we're coming
1: to a close and before we come to a close, you've got to give um, the folks out there information on how to get a hold of
0: you. Oh absolutely. So, so if you have any questions, um, send uh just send your questions to ask me at Ben dot com. That's Ben Gonzalez G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z dot com. All one word. Um you can go on my website at www.bengonzalesmd.com dot dot com. And um information um, my blog information on nutrition on hormone replacement. It's all there. uh, We just revamped the website. just came up today, actually. So um, if you have any questions, you can, and if you don't remember, ask me at bengonzalez.com. It's on the website.
1: Good. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Gonzalez. Dr. Gonzalez, thank you so much uh, for taking time to educate patients on hormone replacement therapy. And this is your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat, wishing all of you good health and clear vision.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. If you'd like to learn more about alternative eye treatments, access free reports, or subscribe to Dr. Kondrat's newsletter, visit us at healingtheeye.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please write a review. We love hearing from listeners. To hear more episodes about alternative eye treatments, click subscribe and download all of our previous shows. We wish you good health and clear vision.